select these people carefully. You go for the very best in the country. Uh, and you take no notice of what they say. Well, this seems to be the approach to the traffic light system following a meeting that discussed this prior to the government's announcement. Part of that group, uh, Dr. Rawiri Jansen, who's uh, clinical collection, uh, director at the National Horora Co- uh, Coalition, is, is with us this morning. Rawiri, thanks so much for being with us. Appreciate it. Kia Tony. Thanks for having me. What did you make of the decision and uh, your your advice basically been you know shoved in the shredder? Yeah, yeah, the advice um, wasn't followed, and so that's kind of troubling. Uh, what I make of it is that the that cabinet is on a pathway to um, reopening the economy. It's a juggernaut that can't be stopped. It's um, you know there's a lot of people pushing really hard to. Um, you know, I don't know, get out and have their lattes or have their holiday. Go to work. Um, yeah, go to yeah, everything. So, you know, that's we, we just need to notice that. And alongside that, we need to notice that the experts are saying there's a lot of work left to do to get this vaccination program finished. Now, one of the things uh, I understand that the panel wanted was a specific vaccination target for Māori. Why should we treat any one group differently to another? Shouldn't we care equally about everybody? You already did treat one group differently to the others. Uh, Tim, we've got a health system which delivers really poorly for the indigenous population of the country. I think most people are able to manage um, that unfortunate truth and go, right, we've got to do better, we've got to do more, do whatever it takes. And I think the experts were going to codifying that in a way that helps the government see it. We've got to get the Māori population to 95% vaccinated, do whatever it takes. 95%? Yeah, well, that was us. We were having a great discussion, as everybody ought to be having a discussion. So how, how far do we have to go to get our community protected enough that we can get back to, um, you know, something like ordinary life? And a lot of these experts, of course, would be looking at the health system, and you look at that and say, if you get 90% vaccinated, that's about 140,000 Aucklanders not vaccinated. If... COVID gets Whoa. in amongst them, it's really going to hammer our hospitals. So, you know, the calculation that you need to do is, is think about the effect on the health system. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean every one of those people is going to get sick, but I see where you're going with that particular argument. So the advice the, the advice you gave was what? Um, that we needed to get the vaccination program um, achieving really, really high levels of immunity for the community, and that keeps us all safe. And, and then, of course, we had a, a couple of pages more to go into some of the details. All right. $120 million announced on Friday. What difference is that going to make? Um, it depends on how it's used, of course, um, but it's a nice intention to actually you know, put some gas in the tank of a whole bunch of activities that, that will probably get us to the right place. I, Personally, Tim, I think the issue here is the speed at which we've got to get this done. And, and to be clear, given that Māori is, in general, a much younger population, actually are getting to the uh, immunisation targets much faster than the mainstream populations did o- over this year. So the trajectory is really good. Um, we've got to get some speed. We're on a short runway and we've really got to get up to speed. People are asking, you know, why is it harder for people to get to a vaccination clinic when they're all over the place they're even in camper vans now touring around they're going out knocking on people's doors why why is it hard to reach this group 
Yeah, I think the um, vaccination program, if you look at it, at, at the beginning, it was designed for and the, the communications tactics reached to a particular part of our population and it wasn't young and it wasn't Māori. So we've got to start that bit again and go, right, how do we reach, how do we inspire young Māori to get vaccinated? And no surprises, um, the market is differentiated well, and so we've got a bit of different work to do to get to this population. I mean the original target group was the elderly who were seen as the most vulnerable wasn't weren't they? Yeah well that was an argument we had and we lost you know that was more good advice that ended up in the shredder to be honest. Um, the, the, the evidence is pretty clear that um, a a Parker 65-year-old man has a similar risk of impact from COVID to a 44-year-old Māori man or a 40-year-old Pacific man. Well, why, so, is it, why is it different, Robbery? I, I don't understand that. You know, um, our health system provides care differentially and there'll be, a, there'll be a whole host of things about why that is and some of it will be to do with other things like income and ability to go and um, have a good relationship with your primary care practitioner. Some of it belongs in the health system and we haven't done a good job of looking after Māori and Pacific and all of that accumulates, it gets layered on top and we end up with some really significant um, disparities in our health system outcomes. Do, uh, do people uh, like Honi Harawera help? Uh, uh, do people uh, like Brian Tamaki help when they're, they're going around telling you not to trust the health system? Um, I think Honi is, is telling a truth about the health system hasn't been very trustworthy. So when you mention Honi and Brian, I think one of those two people is quite trustworthy and one of them is quite um, problematic. Um, but at the end of the day... You don't, you, know care, what, you don't care to tell me which which is which? Yeah, no, people will work it out, I'm pretty sure. Um, oh, but at the end, we've got to love all of our people. And some people, you know, like as a GP, I know that about 4% of my population will be anti-vaxxers. I've still got to look after them. I've still got to do my very best for them, and they're not going to get vaxxed. It's the other 96% I've got to get really busy on and encourage and motivate and inspire them to get vaccinated. How do you feel about this idea of people being turned away from some situations if they do not? Uh, have both uh, vaccinations. How? What, what do you think about that and yeah, where that I, takes I, us? Yeah, look, um, I have had some time with um, ethicists, um, people who have studied the ethics of it, and I think we've got to understand there's a slippery slope in doing this. Uh, people start telling me that um, people who are vaccinated shouldn't be treated. Well, no, not, I'm not down with that. I think that's wrong. I think we have to have a, a sensible way of creating incentives. We have to be very careful about creating penalties. Yeah. Um, you know, people who are not vaccinated still must be able to go to the supermarket well, and get their veggies. Come on. Well, I you mean, know, if people if people out. hadn't haven't had a measles jab, um, we we don't prevent them going anywhere. If people, you know, uh, have other communicable diseases, we don't stop them being part of the community, do we? Well, we we have a few. I think, sensible rules on it. For instance, if you wanted to train as a nurse, you do have to be vaccinated against measles. You do have to be vaccinated against certain things, even as you start your training. But in the general population, that's not the case. In the general population, we don't do that. That's right. And, and I think that's right, that we have specific kind of rules for specific situations. But we don't have this big thing which really punishes anybody who doesn't want to get a jab. That's, I, I don't feel at all comfortable about that sort of approach. Appreciate your time this morning, Dr. Rawari Jansen, who's part of the government's specialist expert advisory group.